Hello and welcome to this Endo Life. I'm Jessica Duffin. I'm an Endo Warrior and Endo Health Coach, and this podcast is all about living and thriving with endometriosis. As always, this podcast is here for educational purposes only. Please consult your medical practitioner before making any nutritional changes or bringing in any supplements. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to give a shout out to my lovely sponsors at BU. And I wanted to tell you about their new bath bombs, which are naturally made and contain beautiful essential oils. And their peppermint and eucalyptus essential oils um, bath bomb is doing so well right now with endometriosis community. They're getting loads of feedback about it. And, you know, if you love the patches themselves you're going to love the bath bombs because essentially it's (laughs) the patch in a bath bomb um so you know if you're on your period or if you're in pain you could have a bath with some of the bath bombs or one of them i don't know you could have multiple if you want um and then yeah get out the bath maybe rub in some cbd balm and put your patch on top, which is um, what a lot of people are feeding back that they're doing. So um, I would love to do that, but um, I don't have a bath, so I can't. But if you have a bath, um, then, you know, I think these new bath bombs could be a lovely way to help alleviate some of your pain. So if you'd like to check them out, you can go to BU, which is buonline.co.uk, And you can also order them from anywhere in the world on cultbeauty.co.uk and they deliver worldwide. So before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to give a shout out to the lovely girls at Semaine. They are two sisters with endometriosis. They've been on the show before and they founded Semaine, which is a supplement company for people with periods to originally their first supplement was to aid with PMS and period pain. And I know that it is a lifesaver for so many people with endometriosis and painful periods. I absolutely love that supplement. It's really helped me when I've had to kind of follow protocols for SIBO or, you know, I've had a stressful time and I've been worried about my period. I've been able to avoid a flare with that supplement and they've always been so kind and um, kindly sent me sent me them when I when I've needed them. And now they've come out with a new supplement called the Daily, and it is a hormone balancing supplement, which is designed to help with healthy skin, stable mood, fewer cravings in your luteal phase, blood sugar balance. And they recently gifted it to me. Honestly, I said this to my client the other day. My blood sugar levels have never felt so stable as they did when I was taking that day, daily supplement. As you guys know, I I work very hard to stabilize my blood sugar levels because that will keep inflammation down and it also ensures that you have healthy balanced hormones. It's, it's really, really key. And I have a history of having really unstable blood sugar. Originally growing up, it was because of my eating disorder. But then in later years, it was much more down to firstly following a vegan diet when I didn't understand how to build my plate, a healthy blood sugar balancing plate. And secondly, because of my microbiome and my microbiome because of SIBO is 
built to actually extract more glucose from my food and cause blood sugar instability. This is actually a really key piece of blood sugar. If your blood sugar is resisting all of the strategies you're trying, that is a massive clue that your microbiome is affecting the way that your blood sugar is is being controlled in your body. So we need to work on that, work on your gut. And mine has improved mine has improved massively, but I still react much more um erratically than someone else would to blood sugar fluctuations. And I couldn't believe the difference. It was like I had a whole month of like stable blood sugar. It was incredible. And as a result, I had much more of a healthier cycle. I felt a lot more satisfied. I had less food cravings. I just felt a lot more stable in energy. So I'm a really big fan of this. And as I said, blood sugar is a huge piece to managing your hormones, hence why blood sugar is such a big part of their their supplement. So the girls have kindly given me a discount code for you guys. It will get you 20% off your first um, order, whether that's the daily or the PMS and period support capsules. And the code is ENDOLIFE, one word, all caps. So E-N-D-O-L-I-F-E. And that code is valid for the next six months, I believe. So you can use it at any time. Um, So let me know how you get on with them. I'd love to hear if you find them as amazing as I did. And I hope that they bring you a happier and healthier cycle and period. Okay, so quick trigger warning before we begin. Um, There is a very, very brief discussion, conversation about a car accident in this episode. Okay, so some of you may know that for the past, I guess, three years now, I've been deep in the trenches with interstitial cystitis. So I developed interstitial cystitis almost about... 17 or so years ago, following a car accident when I was 17. And I broke my left hip, my pelvis, my spine, and my pubic ramus, and a couple of other things as well. But those are the injuries in the pelvic area. Um, And I was temporarily paralyzed. And then I was on bed rest for several weeks because obviously um, I couldn't use my legs or my hips because they were very broken. And during this time, I had a catheter put in And unbeknown to me, this delivered the first of two chronic infections that I still have to this day. Now, of course, for the first year, any unusual symptoms and pain I had in the pelvic region, I put down to the car accident. And then when I started developing endo symptoms a year later, once I got that diagnosis for endometriosis, which did take about five or six years, I then assumed all bladder issues were caused by my endo. It was only when I reduced all of my endometriosis symptoms and I was having pain-free periods that I noticed this other pain. I was kind of able to to distinguish the two. And I had always thought, like I said, that this bladder pain was endo. But I noticed that it felt very specifically isolated to my bladder. And the pain I felt was different from my classic endo pain. It would get worse when my bladder filled up and it was excruciating after I emptied it. And it felt very isolated to my bladder, whereas my endo pain not only felt different, but it felt in a different location. It felt further back, exactly where my endo was, which was behind my uterus. And I also felt my endo pain around my ovaries. 
My bladder pain was nearer the front and it felt more like an acidic burning that only came when I needed to urinate or follow in urination. It's now sort of developed to, it's still like a burning, but it feels like there's some, it, it sounds really dramatic. It sounds like there's like a rusted knitted knitting needle that's sort of been thrust through my bladder um, and it's just like throbbing all the way through and radiating from the center is this like rusty knitting needle that's just like yeah creating this sort of like acidic inflamed burning hot environment and additionally the pain was accompanied by urgency frequency pressure as so as if someone was pushing on my bladder when I needed a wee and a feeling like I hadn't fully emptied my bladder when I went now, interstitial cystitis, or painful bladder syndrome, as it's more recently been named, is defined as a chronic pelvic pain condition characterized by urgency, frequency, pressure, and or pain in the bladder or pelvic region for more than six weeks in the absence of an, of an identifiable infection or other causes or conditions. And that definition is from my friends at IC Wellness. There is not usually one definitive cause of IC. It's normally caused by a combination of factors such as inflammation, adhesions, pelvic floor dysfunction, histamine intolerance, fungal and bacterial overgrowths, chronic embedded UTIs, and more. That's why it can be so tricky to treat because there's usually multiple areas to address. Now, IC is a co-condition of endometriosis. It's actually been dubbed as the evil twin of endometriosis, but it's also a co-condition of SIBO. And in fact, some of the bacteria that cause SIBO are the same bacteria that cause chronic UTIs. And because SIBO can also cause histamine intolerance and inflammation, SIBO can be a real driver behind interstitial cystitis. And if you're new to my podcast, I talk about SIBO all the time, it is small intestine bacterial overgrowth, and it's where you have an overgrowth of bacteria in the small intestine, whereas you're supposed to have lots of bacteria in your large intestine. So your bacteria is growing in the wrong place, and it causes lots of IBS issues and is a co-condition of endometriosis. So in the past three years, my IC has really ramped up, and I explore this in other episodes and why that's happened. But my drivers, what I've identified, my drivers are two hidden chronic UTIs, histamine intolerance, perhaps caused by muscle activation syndrome, as I explored in many previous episodes, but um, more recently in my last episode last week, SIBO, likely SIFO, which um, I, I probably have, pelvic floor dysfunction, and an upregulated nervous system. Oh, and adhesions. I'm waiting on a urologist who is versed in MCAS and who I am hoping can help me treat the two chronic UTIs at the same time as getting the MCAS under control. So I'm on a waiting list for that. I've already done a lot of pelvic floor work and um, adhesion work, but the adhesions need much deeper treatment. And I treated SIBO last year. Unfortunately, I need to treat my SIBO again as I'm a rapid relapser, which means I have a root cause behind my SIBO that's so significant that I could hardly stay in remission for more than a few days. But first, I need to discover the root cause, like what is the root cause in order to deal with a SIBO. So that's a work in progress at the moment. 
Now, for those of you who listen to my show, you may know that I've decided to prioritize my IC first because I didn't find treating the SIBO that effective at healing my IC symptoms. And so I wanted to get them under control a bit before I throw myself back into the SIBO game because that tends to require 100% of my attention and it doesn't mix very well with IC treatment, unfortunately. Um, They are not very easy to treat together. So as I said, I'm on a waiting list and I did an advanced test to identify these two chronic UTIs as a standard UTI test that the NHS perform. Um, Don't show up these um, infections and they generally only test for free common infections and those are not the ones that I have. Um, And whilst I wait, I have been working on managing my symptoms as best as possible. And for the first time in three years, I'm living with less bladder pain. And trust me, I have tried a lot of strategies. So this is really, really big progress for me. So today I wanted to share with you what's finally worked for me to get my bladder symptoms under control. I want to be clear that I believe wholeheartedly in root cause resolution. That's the approach that I take with my clients. Otherwise, we're just forever controlling or masking symptoms with medications or supplements, which could result in the issue worsening without our awareness or further complications down the line because we've essentially ignored what is actually causing the issue. But I am also acutely aware that we sometimes need a little boost just to get us out of the pain cycle to enable us to move forward with healing the root causes. So that's what this episode is all about. And a final disclaimer, this episode is about what's worked for me personally, rather than a more informative episode about research and studies, etc. that I would normally do. So please keep in mind that what worked for me may not work for you. However, I, you know, I really hope that by sharing my journey, I can help some of you also experience relief. So fingers crossed that that's what this episode achieves. So number one is aloe vera. And for me, aloe vera was my breakthrough. Up until starting aloe vera, I was in consistent high level pain for a straight two years, every single day, 24-7. For about 18 months, I was getting between no sleep to about four hours, four or five hours sleep a night. And you know, that wasn't like it was either no sleep or it was five hours sleep. It was literally like one night I had no hour, no sleep. Another night I had no sleep again. The third night I had two hours sleep. The fourth night I had five hours sleep. You know, the fifth night I had three hours sleep. It was, it was really all over the place. And a six hour sleep night was a really good night. And that would sort of happen when I was just completely exhausted. And honestly, it was destroying me. The pain felt unbearable. I was so, so tired, um, but I just couldn't get the pain to to shift no matter what I did. Then in my training and my podcast interviews with various IC experts, and as I went down this rabbit hole, I came across aloe vera supplementation for interstitial cystitis. Now, Desert Harvest is is a brand, and um, they're an interstitial cystitis-specific brand. From what I can tell, Um, which makes supplements to aid with the pain of interstitial cystitis and also supplements like multivitamins, which can have certain bladder irritants in them and they remove those bladder irritants. So there's like a B complex without B6 and a multivitamin with a bladder friendly form of um, vitamin C. And 
They have been involved in a few studies and research papers specifically around their aloe vera supplement. And some of the results are pretty outstanding. For example, one survey of 660 customers found that 92% reported they experienced relief, 63% reported substantial improvement in urgency and frequency, 69% of patients reported substantial improvement in pelvic pain, and 68% of patients reported substantial improvement in urethral burning. So the theory behind aloe vera working and the limited research we have so far indicates that aloe vera works by helping to repair the bladder lining via glycosaminoglycans. I don't know if I got that right. We'll see. Otherwise known as GAGs. So GAGs are types of carbohydrate molecules called polysaccharides. And these polysaccharides usually create a protective mucosal lining in the bladder that prevents acids, bacteria, etc., from penetrating the bladder wall and causing damage. However, in people with interstitial cystitis, there is a potential that this protective lining has thinned out or is no longer present. And so we can build the lining back up with GAGs from aloe vera, allowing the actual lining to repair and prevent further damage. Now, when I first got these, I followed the label dose and I felt some relief, but not a huge amount. Then I revisited their website and I read that they actually have a very specific protocol that's just not on their bottle, I guess, because it's quite a long protocol, they won't be able to fit it on. And that requires you to build up to 12 capsules a day over three months, and then you reduce until your symptoms return and that helps you to find the dose you personally need. So when you start to get symptoms return, then you go back up a dose, right? So when I followed this protocol, the relief was significant. I would say on a daily basis, I've gone from having nightly pain that was up at around eight to 10 every single night on the pain scale. So from one to 10 or zero to 10, 10 being the highest. And I've gone down to about a four on average, though it's sometimes less and it's sometimes more. And then during the day, my bladder pain was probably at a six. Um, and though in the bad times, it tended to be a lot more. Um, and that's now probably again at about a four. Sometimes it's really, really low. Sometimes it's like a one or a two. So this has given me quality of life back. I no longer feel like I'm living in a state of emergency where my body was in, an, in acute daily pain. You know, the pain is there, but it's background pain most of the time and it's manageable. Whereas before it was so bad, I just felt miserable. Life didn't feel worth living and it was hard to get through each day and even worse at night. And I, I mean, really my life was falling apart. Now, unfortunately, it's hard to get Devis Harvest in the UK. It, it's um, a US brand and the shipping costs are super expensive. And each bottle is already a lot of money, especially when you have to take two or three bottles a month to follow this protocol, because they're, I think, off the top of my head, I think there's something like $68 a bottle, maybe it's 61, I can't remember. Now, of course, you might not need the dose I need, so you could be fine with a general aloe vera supplement, but today I'm talking about what's worked for me and why, and it was this brand that is what made the difference for me, and this dosage. So anyway, I needed to use these capsules specifically because of the dose and their effectiveness, but it was costing me so much money. 
And eventually I found one UK brand called Tiny Pioneers who actually have their own aloe vera capsules, which are the same strength. And so I moved on to them. And these days I seem to be able to have eight capsules a day. And that seems to have me in a place that I was originally at when I was taking 12 capsules. So I've worked my way down uh, from 12 capsules to eight. Um, so things are definitely improving, but I, I feel like I can't really go below that yet. Now, given that there are root causes that I still need to address, this doesn't surprise me because like I said, it's rarely ever just one thing with IC. So I don't feel like aloe vera should be resolving all of my issues. So what I'm hoping is as I approach the problem from various angles and resolve the other root causes, I'll be able to reduce the aloe vera as time goes on. So aloe vera, like I said, was really pivotal for me and accelerated my healing. Next up is quercetin. So you may hear me discuss quercetin from time to time because I use it with my clients for endometriosis itself, but also for SIBO and histamine problems. Quercetin is an antioxidant in plants that can be taken as a supplement. And quercetin has been shown in studies on rats to inhibit endometriosis growth by lowering estrogen levels, therefore stunting its development. In another rat study, quercetin significantly reduced the size of endometriosis lesions. Quercetin is also anti-inflammatory and immune supportive, which is of course important with endo as we know inflammation is high and the immune system is comprom compromised. It's been shown to significantly reduce pain in men with chronic pelvic pain syndrome though it would be great to have some studies on women. And it's also great for leaky gut as it's a leaky gut healer and is actually one of the supplements I recommend trying first for my clients with gut health issues. Finally, it's a powerful antihistamine which can be used for reducing allergic reactions, histamine intolerance and asthma symptoms. So I was pretty happy with my supplement regime, so I hadn't used quercetin very often until the past six months. I think I did use it during my low histamine protocol uh, when I was working with Dr. Drummond, but it was in combination with a lot of other herbs and supplements and it was quite a low dose. But anyway, I started using it in high doses that were shown to help with muscle activation syndrome patients. And it's really the only thing that helped me to get my chest pain and my histamine reactions under control. But as I continued using it, I noticed that my bladder pain was improving too. And this just wasn't something I was even thinking about. I mean, it was really obvious as to why it helped, but I just, I just wasn't thinking about it. And I was like, this, this is weird. I feel like my bladder is feeling better. And so it sort of took what aloe vera was doing and enhanced it, it built on those benefits. Now, there are two mechanisms of action that this could have taken in my opinion as to why it helped. So number one is I think it reduced the bladder inflammation, which given that I had two embedded chronic UTIs, it would make sense that there would be inflammation in the bladder that was kind of continuous. And number two, we know that there are high levels of mast cells. And just to remind you, those are immune cells that release histamines and high levels of histamines in the bladder of people with interstitial cystitis. And so by stabilizing the mast cells, which is how quercetin acts as an antihistamine, it's, it kind of calms down those mast cells, we can then lower the release of inflammatory histamines, which causes all of this problem, all of these, um, all of the pain and all of the swelling um, and all of the problems that we can get with inflammatory histamine reactions. 
Now, my allergies have dramatically improved since using Quercetin, and I've also noticed that I can be more flexible with my diet and lifestyle without triggering endometriosis pain and problems. So that's a bonus. And on a side note, I find that clients who don't respond well to the usual tools and strategies that I use and tend to see great results with, and who are also very reactive to histamines, they usually do well with Questin. And it's normally getting in control of their histamine problems, which really creates a significant difference. So if you tried like stabilizing your blood sugar, you're eating anti-inflammatory, you tried pelvic floor physiotherapy, and you just, you're not really seeing an improvement, just consider histamines or at least give quercetin a go for some symptomatic relief. Obviously talk to your doctor before beginning any new supplement. And, you know, we know that mast cells and histamines are involved in the development of endometriosis. So it would, of course, make sense that the um, clients that I see who have histamine issues are experiencing relief with their endometriosis symptoms when we bring in quercetin. Just a reminder that this episode is sponsored by BU. These natural patches last for 12 hours, so they bring you prolonged relief and can begin working on relaxing your muscles before the pain kicks in, so you're prepared even if your period comes during the middle of the day. Some people even find that wearing them a night before their period can really help soothe the inflammation in the area. To shop, just head to the link in my show notes. Now, next up is my trusted magnesium spray. I always, always use magnesium spray in pretty much management of everything. So this isn't really something that keeps pain down overall, like the quercetin or the aloe vera, but it's something that I use to calm acute flares. So if I find that my pain is building at night um, or my bladder is very reactive and I keep needing to wee, so it's just like one of those bad nights, I've been up like 20 times in an hour, if I spray with magnesium, everything starts to calm down. Magnesium is a muscle relaxant and it's also anti-inflammatory. And because the more stressed I get with pain, the more tense my muscles get and then the worse the pain gets, I find I can interrupt that loop by softening and relaxing my pelvic muscles with magnesium spray. I find it's often the only thing that will help me drift off to sleep on those bad nights. It doesn't take away the pain entirely, but it does usually enable me to sleep with it. Now, I will say that this has only been able to work well since I've been using the aloe vera. Prior to that, the pain was so bad that nothing would help me get to sleep. And of course, I wouldn't, right? That's why I went through 18 months of so little sleep. So if your pain levels are high, you might find you need a combination of tools to target it. The magnesium back then still helped me but it wasn't enough to bring the pain down significantly. Next up on my list are my BU patches, which you all know I love for managing endo and period pain. And just like magnesium, I use these to take the pain down a notch so that I can sleep. I pretty much wear one every single night and the essential oil properties help to ease my bladder spasms and lower inflammation. And I find that that's enough to take the edge off and allow me to fall asleep without any issues. So even now with aloe and quercetin, I tend to need these because without, I notice the pain at night can still escalate. We know that interstitial 
cystitis tends to be worse at night in terms of symptoms. And so I just find the BU patches nip that in the bud before things get too far and I get stuck in a stress loop cycle. Because if I'm lying there without any form of relief, I tend to like notice like, oh, I can feel my bladder, which I mean, I can feel all the time. And I'm like, hmm, I wonder if it's going to get worse tonight. And it just, it just starts this, like, I start to get aware of pain, my nervous system upregulates, and it just becomes an entire ordeal. So it's, if I can just put the patch on as I go to sleep, then it just kind of stops that from happening. And for me, I would classify a bad night when I've got one of those on, when I've got a BU patch on and I can't sleep due to the pain. That's a bad night. And when I bring out the magnesium spray um, and that's not working, that's a terrible night. So if the BU patch isn't working, I bring out the magnesium spray. And then obviously if the magnesium spray doesn't work, then I'll bring out some painkillers. Now, my next symptom management tool is chamomile tea. So after a bad night, I'll also often have a bad day. Or sometimes if something has really inflamed me, I'll wake up and I'll have a bad bladder day. So for me, I know it's a bad, like it's kind of a bad day because I'll wake up and it's almost like the inflammation from my bladder has spilled out across my pelvis and down my legs, sometimes throughout my entire body. And I'll get this horrible knee ache, which is what I always get as soon as I'm super inflamed or if I'm unwell, like I have a virus or something. It goes to my lower back where I broke my back and it goes to my knees where I've always had knee problems. Now, in reality, of course, the pain from my bladder hasn't really spilled over, but it's very likely that I've had a histamine reaction to something. And because for me, I am very reactive to histamine triggers and likely have muscle activation syndrome, that just creates a full body inflammatory reaction. You know, my whole body reacts. And because my bladder seems to be the first trigger warning, it's like the first thing that is affected by histamines for me, that is what begins first, right? That's why I've always got this bladder pain daily because of my histamine kind of issues. And then when it gets really far, the whole body gets involved. So anyway, those are those days are my worst days. My bladder pain on those days is a 10 all day long and my body is really, really heavy and my joints ache to the point where it's even hard to stand and shower. I don't get those days a lot anymore. I used to get them all the time. I would say I get them once every three or four months now, which is incredible. And so oddly enough, despite this being a very gentle approach, I find that on these days, a concentrated chamomile tea is really helpful. So chamomile tea, when left to brew for a good like 10 minutes, if not longer, it develops a slimy consistency, which can coat the bladder line in and just kind of cool it down and protect it and soothe inflammation because chamomile is very anti-inflammatory. So you won't really notice the sliminess when you drink it. It's not like you're suddenly drinking like gunge. It's still like you're drinking a tea, but it's definitely got this sort of like slippery, silky sensation to it. So you won't really notice it, but your bladder will. Now, like aloe vera, and I should have mentioned this earlier, but I didn't, aloe vera can feed SIBO. And this is the same with chamomile. 
And it can worsen chamomile, uh, can worsen SIBO because it contains certain carbohydrates and fibers like polysaccharides, which can feed SIBO. However, as with everything with SIBO, it's about tolerance. So if you find that you can tolerate chamomile tea without a flare-up, or you can tolerate aloe vera without a flare-up or symptoms, then you should be okay on them. Now, lastly, whilst it didn't help with pain, I did find that pelvic floor physiotherapy helped with my bladder urgency, frequency, and with bladder emptying. My bladder certainly doesn't behave like a healthy bladder yet, and I still have trouble passing urine and then needing to go immediately afterwards, sometimes multiple times. I'll stand back up and be like, no, I still need a wee. And that can happen like seven times in a row or feeling like my bladder hasn't fully emptied, but it definitely took the severity down a notch. And I do think that for people with endometriosis, because the pelvic floor is so involved in that process, uh, you know, the pelvic floor has become tighter and tighter as we've lived with chronic pain then it's usually also involved in interstitial societal symptoms too, because the bladder and, you know, the bladder and the vagina are right next to each other and the pelvic floor controls your bladder function. So I do think it is a necessary part of the overall healing approach. So those are the key things that have helped me manage symptoms. They're not treating the root cause. I mean, to a degree, the aloe vera is treating the root cause, but something kind of caused the bladder lining to, um, to fit out. But um, these are mainly symptom management. So before we wrap up, I wanted to say that these tools and strategies for symptom management, they're not used in isolation. I have created a foundation of anti-inflammatory practices to, I mean, mainly to support my endometriosis, but they've been supporting my interstitial cystitis. And these practices have provided me with a foundation to build upon. So for example, I eat an anti-inflammatory diet. Um, For the time being, I keep out supplements and supplement ingredients that are known to irritate the bladder, like vitamin C in the form of acetic acid, Uh, B6 and citric acid. I also avoid my histamine and bladder triggers like tomatoes and lemon, which I hope to be able to add back in soon as obviously, you know, long-term restriction isn't healthy or sustainable. Um, I also generally lead a healthy lifestyle so that my body isn't inflamed and has the resources it needs to heal. So I rarely drink alcohol, which can really irritate the bladder. You know, I exercise, I try to keep, I try to sleep enough when my bladder allows, I have magnesium baths, I eat enough fruit and vegetables, you know, I'm I'm very, very conscious of um, my lifestyle. So I doubt that the above tools and strategies would work as effectively if I wasn't also looking after my body. Because if you speak to interstitial cystitis experts, they all start there, right? They all start with lowering inflammation. They all look at your lifestyle. Um, So it's about putting in these foundations. So if I was living off processed foods and takeaways and I wasn't really eating any fruit and veg and I was drinking a lot of alcohol and I was staying up late every night, my body would of course be inflamed. So it would take more work to bring these inflammation levels down and to support further healing. So my suggestion is if you feel like your lifestyle and diet could do with some improving, then I would start there. Now it's not about, you know, living like a saint, 
go back to my episode about you don't need to manage endo perfectly to get where I'm coming from from this. But we do need to, all of us, all of us need to live a general healthy lifestyle, right? Um, to a degree. So if you're noticing, um, as I talk, that there could be changes that you can make, start with the foundations of a general healthy lifestyle before spending loads of money on fancy supplements because the chances are without the good foundations, you're building on shaky ground and they're just not going to be effective enough for you. Now, of course, if you're just like, I just need to get out of this acute pain for me to even be able to think about eating more healthily, then try, you know, try one of these suggestions, but I just can't guarantee their effectiveness without also combining them with healthy diet and lifestyle choices. So I hope that this has been a helpful episode. Um, I'm very, very pleased to finally report um, improvements with my IC because it's been a long time coming. Um, and let me know if you've tried any of these and these work for you. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find out more about what I do or read more on endometriosis and living well with it, um, you can head to my Instagram page, which is this underscore endolife. Um, you can head to my website, which is www.thisendolife.com. And you can also get um, a free guide to managing endometriosis naturally on my website. Um, I've put the link in my show notes. It's a beginner's guide to getting started and all of the areas that I um, have worked on to help reduce my endometriosis symptoms and pain and live well with endometriosis. As always, if you like this show, please rate, review and or subscribe. It really, truly does help others to hear the podcast and hopefully will help them to live better with endometriosis. This episode was produced by The Pod Farm. Whether you're an established podcaster or just getting started, visit thepodfarm.com to see how they can help you go from an idea to a finished show that's ready to be heard by the world. Music.